Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. This has been a relatively easy week. Uh, the news has been out there big time, but not as much as we have become accustomed to. And why? Because Trump was in Asia for 12 days, and whatever he was saying out there really wasn't newsworthy and did not get the play it would normally get were he home here in the United States. But a lot of interesting things did happen, and so we're, tonight we're going to get a taste or a flavor of some other things that have been going on. I want to start with Attorney General Jeff Sessions and his testimony this afternoon, this morning and this afternoon, before a House of Representatives committee. Uh, an absolute shame, an absolute disgrace. But not only was his testimony a disgrace and a shame, the questions coming from the members of the committee, I don't care if they were Democrat or Republican, I don't know who these people are. I don't know how they've come to represent us, except for a handful, maybe three Democrats, the rest of the whole group, Democrats and Republicans alike, were out in left field asking questions about other subjects, trying to make a point, trying to show off. Uh, it, was, it was absolutely a disgrace, uh, revolting. Uh, and Sessions didn't do himself any good. He has now lied three times when he has testified with regard to the uh, Russian situation. And each time his reason has been, Oh, I forgot. Uh, I didn't recall. You know how many emails I get and how many meetings I have? And he's not done. He's going to come up with one or two more mistakes. He's leading himself, if he has not already, into an indictment. And this is the Attorney General of the United States because he has lied under oath each time. Um, so it was just a disgrace, an absolute disgrace. The questions were stupid. Uh, most of them, again, except for two or three of the Democrats, terrible, terrible. And these people are representing us and making laws affecting our lives. Uh, we are in desperate straits, my friends. We got to clean up Washington. Trump isn't doing it. He was going to clean up the swamp. He's created a bigger mess. Moving on, I want to talk about Wilbur Ross. Remember that name, my friends, Wilbur Ross. He is the Secretary of, Con of Commerce. He was selected, appointed, and approved. He was Trump's selection. He is one, I don't know if you're familiar with Wilbur. Wilbur is one of the richest men in the United States. Now, um, when you get appointed to a position uh, as a secretary in the president's uh, cabinet, uh, you have to disclose. You, you have to submit all kinds of paperwork. And if you have any potential conflicts of interest or conflicts of interest, you must disclose them. And everyone understands what a conflict of interest is. So now let me tell you what Wilbur Ross failed to do. Wilbur failed to disclose his connections with Putin, with Putin's family and inner circle, okay, Wilbur Ross owns a piece of a company called Navigators Holdings Limited. It does millions of dollars a year in business with a Moscow-based petrochemical company called Silver. Since 2014, Ross's company 
has done $68 million worth of business. In three years, $68 million worth of business with this uh, Moscow-based petrochemical company, Silver. Now, one of Silver's owners is a man married to Putin's youngest daughter. Isn't that wild? One of Silver's owners is a man married to Putin's youngest daughter. It gets more complicated, okay? Silver has a, one of the co-owners of Silver is a man, a Russian by the name of Gennady Tichinboko. I hope I pronounced it correctly, Tichinboko. Turns out uh, he is one of the Russian businessmen that was sanctioned, sanctioned, this individual, he was sanctioned by the United States following Russia's intervention into Crimea. Now, Tanchenkin is a well-known close friend and ally of Putin. None of which I just set forth for you was set forth in Wilbur Ross's disclosure of any possible conflicts of interest. And you would think a connection with a company uh, doing that much business in Moscow, and he knows everybody, et cetera, et cetera, he should have disclosed it. And now his ass is on the hot seat for not having disclosed it. And he will have to submit additional paperwork disclosing it and come up with some sort of rational excuse as to why he didn't. His excuse will probably be he did not think it was important. Isn't it amazing how many people Trump has appointed to his inner circle that have Russian connections? Now I want to talk about Brett Talley. You know, even though Trump wasn't here, I'm talking about Trump a little bit here. Uh, Brett Talley. This is a beauty. Brett Talley. He was appointed to the federal district court the United States Federal District Court. Now, that's a big deal. Let me tell you something about the federal district courts, the trial court in the federal system. It is the most powerful judgeship in the United States, more powerful than being a justice of the United States Supreme Court, because all kinds of powers are inherent, are, are given to a federal district court judge. He can tie cities, towns, villages, states up. He can do so many things that no other type judge, including a Supreme Court judge, can do. He is known as the strongest man, the strongest judge in the United States, not just the federal system. So you would assume it's an honor. It's an honor, by the way, to become a federal district court judge, big-time honor. And normally, if you're lucky, you go on to be a circuit court judge, which is an appellate federal court. And if you're really lucky, you end up on the Supreme Court someday. Anyhow, this Brett Talley, he's a young man. He's 36 years old. This is a lifetime appointment. The, the Re Republicans have a game plan. They want to appoint as many young people as they can to the federal bench who over a period of the next 50 years, because this is a lifetime appointment, no mandatory retirement at 65 or 70, lifetime. And... Uh, these people will be in power and be able to be appointed to the Supreme Court and bring with them their judicial philosophy. And Young here, 36 years old, is a conservative to the right, to the far right, a conservative to the far right. Now, not only is he just 36 years old, uh, he's only been a lawyer for three years, 36 years old, 
only been a lawyer three years. And in that period of time, three years, he's never tried a case. He's never been inside a courtroom trying a lawsuit. Great experience for a federal district court judge whose court is a tri- is the trial court in the federal system. The American Bar Association passes on uh, federal appointments. You're either not qualified, qualified, or well-qualified. God help you if you're not qualified when you're going to get appointed to a big-time job. Well, our friend Brett Talley, not only was he not well-qualified, he was not qualified. The American Bar Association, an independent body that studies all these uh, appointees, found him unqualified. He was not qualified uh, for the job. That doesn't bar him. He still can be approved by uh, the Senate and go on the bench. Now, he submitted, I told you, that Wilbur Ross, he had to submit all this paperwork on conflicts of interest or potential conflicts of interest. Well, he put in a 30-page submission as to his finances, which weren't that great, wouldn't be at this young age, uh, and uh, any conflicts of interest, he should report them. Now, what he failed to put in those 30 pages, this is beautiful, what he failed to put in was his wife. His wife is presently a White House attorney. She is chief of staff to the White House Council, to the Council, the White House Council, and has already testified before special, uh, the special committee headed by uh, Mueller. She's testified before Mueller. She was called to testify before his committee. None of this was in the paperwork showing potential or possible conflicts of interest. This tally may very well be approved. Isn't this a disgrace? You're going to go into federal court with all kinds of great lawsuits, and you're going to have a kid on the bench who's only been a lawyer three years and never seen the inside of a courtroom. Neither won a case nor got his ass whipped, because when you get your ass whipped in a courtroom, you don't make the same mistakes the next time. He has no experience. Uh, So now, it's a joke. It's a joke. And the odds are he's going to get approved because it will be a party-line vote before the Senate Judiciary Committee, and then they control the uh, the Senate. They'll, They'll vote the kid in. Lucky man going big time at age 36. Not the kind of appointment that should have been made by Trump. Now I want to talk about Ray Moore, uh, our famous man from Alabama at 70 years of age who's turning into turning out to be revealed as a pedophile. Uh, I, I think this is absolutely wild, too. He was, Ray, uh, I'm sorry, Roy Moore, Roy Moore, was the chief justice of the Supreme Court of the state of Alabama. That's their highest court, their highest court. Twice, twice he got fired, too, because he wouldn't enforce the laws that was supposed to be. He does things his own way. He doesn't follow the rules. (laughs) He doesn't follow the rules. And it's funny because he's a Republican. The whole state's Republican. The Republicans always want to put a man on the bench who follows the law, doesn't make up the law. This guy doesn't follow the law. He was contrary to what they seek. But nevertheless, they elected him twice to the Supreme Court, uh, from which he was canned. Uh, And he doesn't follow the the law. Now, it came up in the last week or so 
some girl who was 14 at the time, now is a, a woman, uh, and she said, I don't have to tell you this, you know, that he uh, fondled her, he had her down to her bra and panties, he had himself down to his shorts, and he was touching her breasts, he was touching her between her legs, he took his hand and put it on his penis, uh, no sex. And I said, either on my radio show or in my blog that day, I said, a pedophile is a pedophile forever. Something is wrong in their head. They like young kids, and it's that simple. This guy likes young girls. He's probably liked them his whole life. And we're going to find, as time goes on, I said, there are going to be more cases. And sure enough, two days later, three more women said, well, when I was 16, when I was this age and that age, he tried to fondle me. I thought he was going to rape me in the car, et cetera, et cetera. And then yesterday, another woman, she was about 50 years old, said when he was a district attorney, uh, he, I was 16 years old. He had me in the car. He picked me up in the restaurant where I worked, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So now there's five people. There's going to be five more Mark my words, because I had a major case with a leading political figure in the state of New York many, many years ago, and I know how pedophiles operate. There is no cure. Uh, They think there's nothing wrong with seeking out sexual favors from young girls. Young girls turn them on, period. Now it comes out today in the news that uh, a shopping mall in the state of Alabama, and you know kids, teenagers go to shopping malls, barred this man. As an adult, they barred him from their shopping mall because he was bothering the teenage girls too much. And this guy's still running. I know it's hard for him to stop running and withdraw his name uh, as senator because it's an admission of guilt. But he lets this thing play out. They can't arrest him. There's statute of limitations for all these things. Uh, And they're too many years gone. But uh, this guy may very well be elected. They love him in Alabama, by the way. They think the girls are lying. Uh, Just remember, there'll be more. And it's what's going to come out, I'm going to tell you. He's 70 now. I'm telling you, between 50 and 70 years of age. In the last 10 years, I'll bet you, he has had involvement with a teenager. More than one, and it's all going to come out in the wash because it always does. Remember, once a pedophile, always a pedophile. Well, Trump was in Asia this week, as I indicated earlier, and he visited China. And China's a big country. I'm talking economically. Forget they got more people than any other country, and I think more, Russia has more land mass, but China's huge. And uh, we, China kills us. They send more imports to our country that we buy than we send to their country that they buy. Uh, So we lose money doing business. I forget what the number was. It's 300 and something. I don't know if it's trillion dollars or billion. I think it's billion dollars a year. 300 and some odd billion dollars a year. Whatever. Uh, China outmaneuvers us. These people are brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant. They're like the Japanese. Since the best thing that happened to Japan was us beating them in World War II because they learned we're going to fight you economically, and they have, and they've been hurting us for years. And China is beating us every week in the field of economics in business because for some reason our people are horses' asses, okay? 
Now, there was the big Trans-Pacific deal that Obama put us in, which was good for us. Not great, but good. Trump has pulled us out of it. Every economist who writes something on this that I read, every economist says the worst thing that can happen to the United States, it's going to hurt us tremendously over the next two years, right away in trade with China. It gives China the edge uh, over us dramatically if we're not in there controlling things. But, and this is where I'm coming, there is one thing the United States is going to sell in China that China can't compete with us on, and this sale is going to start this Saturday, and here's the situation. Tampons. Procter & Gamble makes Tampax. They don't use tampons in China. I know this sounds strange. They don't use them. They don't advertise them. They don't use them. Uh, They're still back in the 60s and 70s, in my opinion, with regard to the menstrual cycle of a woman. They don't discuss menstruation. Uh, When women discuss it amongst themselves, they're saying uh, they're getting a visit from their aunt. Uh, They just don't. They use pads. (laughs) They use menstrual pads, as women did back in the 60s and 70s. All women use menstrual pads. Well, come Saturday, let me give you the numbers, only 1% of the Chinese people, okay, use alternatives to the menstrual pads, and none of them use tampons because they haven't gone on sale in China yet. In the United States, 60% of the women use tampons. Now, you know how the day after Thanksgiving is Black Friday in the United States. It's a big sales day. Well, they have a similar day in China, though it isn't the day after Thanksgiving. It's called Singles Day, Single Day. Don't ask me why. And it's this Saturday. And Procter & Gamble is going to hit China. They already started with the advertising. They're going to start selling tampons, Tampax in China, uh, this Saturday. And they've been advertising big time. I mean, showing Chinese women uh, on water skis. You don't have to worry. Wearing skimpy bikinis. Nothing's going to show. You can wear a white dress or white shorts or white pants. So they're going at this big time, and it's going to be a big hit. And it's probably going to be the only thing in the last 20 years that we have outsold China on. Want to go to Puerto Rico? I want to talk about Irma here for a second. Uh, 130,000 Puerto Ricans have left Puerto Rico and come to Florida. I I talked about this, uh, oh, maybe two weeks, three weeks past Irma and Maria, since Maria, 130,000 have come. And I said, a lot are going to come to Florida. I don't know how we're going to handle all these people, but we have an open-door policy. We're going to take them. Well, I just want to say that 130,000 people in Florida is a lot, and it could very well change Florida's political map. Now, which way are they going to go? Republican, Democrat. Uh, Florida's a Republican state by a little bit. Now, normally people who are refugees or evacuees to a, a particular area, they become Democrats because Democrats help them. 
You know, you, you can get welfare right away, you get medical, your kids go to school, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Trump's against all these things. Okay, Donald Trump's against all these things, and these people know it. The man who has turned out to be their angel, the man who has turned out to be the star, and in my opinion has impressed me no one, is uh, Rick Scott, the, pres- the governor of Florida. He came out before Irma two weeks early and whipped us all into shape. We got to do this and do that to get ready. He had everything covered during the hurricane, everything. I mean, he he did things brilliantly. You had to get the gasoline south while people are driving north. So he opened up the the um, the sides of the road, the dirt on the side of the road, and made the trucks with the oil drive down on boats drive down uh, that way. Uh, he, he just came out with everything. He made life so much easier, saved lives, and made sure where danger was going to occur that there were already people there. We had the electric people in before the storm hit. In two weeks, the whole state of Florida had all their electric uh, corrected. Uh, so I think he's going to benefit from this, which means a number of these people are going to be Republicans, and properly so, because they're going to know this guy took care of his people and took care of them. As these 130,000 people arrived, most of them came in through Miami and through Orlando. He had boots set up to receive them at the airport with gift packages, and here's where you go for this, and this is medicine, education, uh, money in your pocket. He greeted them warmly. He had them greeted warmly, so I suspect a lot of them are going to become Republicans. Nothing wrong with that. They, he deserves to have people attracted to him. This guy I thought was an asshole. I'm going to say it this way before Irma had his hair in Florida. I am so impressed and continue to be impressed with how he handled the situation. And many people in the Key West area are so impressed also. I also want to talk about Irma in another respect. You know, we have beaches here. We have several nice beaches here in Key West. And when a hurricane comes, a hurricane strong wind. This was a Ford that hit us here. And it takes all the sand off the beach. There ain't no sand left after the hurricane. Trust me, no sand. You've got to remember or understand that Key West is built on a big piece of coral. I mean, you you can't go six feet down. You go a foot down or two feet, you hit coral. And it's one huge piece of coral here that constitutes Key West. So you make your beaches, et cetera, and the sand on our beaches just blew away, and it's down to coral and mud. All right. Now, I believe the prettiest beach in Key West, and they're all pretty, don't get me wrong, but it's Fort Zachary Taylor. If you ever visit here, go to Fort Zachary Taylor. You will love that beach. Uh, the sand was blown away. Last week, they brought in 110 truckloads of new sand. 110 truckloads of new sand and spread it. And now we've got a beach again with sand at Fort Zachary Taylor. Venezuela. Now they're crazy in Venezuela. The people aren't crazy. They're 
their president, Maduro, he's into his fifth year. This is the man who ran out of toilet paper his first year in office, and they're still out of toilet paper. He ran out of food. He ran out of jobs. People are starving. They killed their pets and ate them. Then they attacked the zoos and killed the animals there and ate them. They're eating dirt with grass. The grass is gone. I don't know what they eat now. It's a very bad situation there. Uh, the problem is the people don't help themselves. I have said for the last two years, the people must revolt. They've got to bring down the government, and they don't. They have, they, they have in, in their major cities, they have protests, demonstrations, over 100,000 people. That's a lot of people. They yell, they scream. Sometimes there's a little altercation, but they never really go out to turn over the government. And they got to do it. The people in the street with bad Molotov cocktails because Maduro's got the army. But if they're not going to take care of themselves, no one else should. They've got to do it. Well, if you recall, Trump said, hey, about a month ago, Venezuela, he, he said to Maduro, your people are suffering under you. They have no food to eat. You're beating them when they demonstrate. And I'm telling you, Mr. Maduro or President Maduro, you keep this up and our troops, in effect, he said, are going to invade Venezuela and get rid of you. What the hell do we want with a war with Venezuela? We're in 17 countries now. We have boots on the ground. We don't need another one, and especially this one, where the people don't help themselves and by their sheer numbers have the power to do so. Now, with all this going on, no toilet paper, no food, no drugs, no jobs, guess what they did this week? He controls, Maduro controls the Supreme Court. <laughs> the Supreme Court made a ruling this week uh, against bikinis. They said scantily clad women or women in bikinis uh, on covers of magazines or pictures in magazines or newspapers are a no-no. They said, and I quote, this could bring about negative consequences with respect to people's baser instincts. They're against pornography, even if they're wearing a bathing suit, okay? Uh, nude or partially nude. And, and, you know, and this is including advertising. I don't understand. This is all they got down there. If some of the people on the male side of the population who don't have toilet paper, don't have food, see their family suffering, want to pick up a newspaper at a railroad station or a magazine that someone left on a stand and look at some scantily clad woman, women, why not? This guy has no better things to do than fight women wearing bikinis. Uh, He's done a good job, by the way, with money. In the five years he's been there, inflation is up 2,000%. Okay, so my point is, with all the ills plaguing poor Venezuela, he's getting on their ass because some people like to look at scantily clad women. I uh, want to tell you about something that's very unusual, uh, and it concerns Key West. For, oh, I don't know, for the last 50 years, there have been about 75 uh, licenses to operate a cab. The same families always operated cabs from grandfather to father uh, to son. And you couldn't get a cab license. The city commissions called the Bubba system down here when people take care of their own, protected these licensed uh, cab drivers. Now comes Uber and Light. 
uh, and light. When they came, when Uber came down here two years ago, our city commission passed a law that it was illegal, and they arrested people for dri- driving Uber vehicles and said, well, wait for the state to tell us what to do. Well, the state acted about six months ago, said, it's okay, it's legal, go do it. And uh, now the cabs, there are very few cabs left on the street. Uber and Lyft is killing the cab industry here. There was an operation, a, a garage, called, huge, beautiful garage, by the way, Friendly Auto Repair in Key West, Friendly Auto Repair. Their business for years has been exclusively serving the cabs, nobody else. Now, they announced this week, we are open, our business is way down, and we are open to the general public, and we hope the public will come and use us now. We see the need for change, and we are changing with it. And we hope that you will come to our service station, which is a beautiful service station. I'm glad they saw it because a lot of people, I'll tell you, the, the Rust Belt up in the Northeast, et cetera, where I'm from, when the mills pulled out at the end of World War II and into the 50s and early 60s, they said, we're going to wait for them to come back. They never came back. They'll never come back anywhere. And But these guys are smart businessmen. I respect them, and I hope they get a lot of business. That's the show for this evening. Hope you enjoyed. Uh, I do a live video just about every day on Facebook. It's under Key West Lou Live. Uh, Take a look. It's only three minutes or so. Uh, Whatever motivates me, I yell and scream about. Also, my book came out this week finally, Irma and Me. Irma and Me, my story of the hurricane in Lewis and how it followed me all the way into Alabama. Uh, it's for sale on Amazon.com. I'd appreciate it if you buy it. It's an interesting story. Guaranteed you will enjoy it. Okay, thank you again for joining me. I'll be with you again at this time next week.